Hi. Welcome to another episode of Paul Tom Power, Power System Design's podcast on the latest in power and power design. I'm your host, Alex Pault, and today I've got Bjorn Brandel. He's with uh, Atmel's uh, Flash and MCU product group, and we're going to talk about the uh, microcontroller space, especially some of the challenges uh, that's coming with all of these intelligent systems and networks developing. Isn't that right, Bjorn? Welcome to the show. Thank you, Alex, and I'm glad to be there. Well, the pleasure is ours. I mean, the bottom line is is that we've got the smart grid. We've got the Internet of Things. We've got microgrids, micro networks. We've got devices that are trying to be smarter. We've got dumb devices that were never smart trying to become smart. There's a lot of pressure on the microcontroller uh, market and then, of course, the engineer specifying the microcontroller in particular because there's so much needed now and there's so much capabilities now what's out there what are the choices what are the challenges yeah absolutely and i mean we see the a tremendous growth in the microcontroller market as you say there is a lot of applications that previously were not that smart but you're always trying to put in more intelligence get more features um, so so basically we see today that there are microcontrollers getting into to any kind of electronics applications and even applications where, where traditionally there has been no MCU. So, so definitely a, a very exciting market to be, to be in. So, so well, what we see is that – yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 I was just going to make a, 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 a agreeing comment, general agreeing comment. Please continue. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so what we see is that, I mean, the, the designers today are uh, – constantly pushed on uh, getting new products, getting new features added. I mean, they need to have a really sexy and attractive product to be able to, to get their customer attracted and, and, and be able to sell uh, their applications in even a more, I mean, the, the, the electronics market in general is very competitive when it comes to the end products. And of course, the, the designers really need to solve all the design challenges very quickly to be able to get new products into the market, add more features, uh, and basically be able to, to get something cooler and better than what, what all their competitors have. Well, we all want something cooler and better, and that's the bottom line is that it, everything is so functionality-linked now, and that functionality isn't just within the device. That functionality now has to extend to the device's role within the cloud in the network. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like Internet of Things, IoT is, is really a big market where, where we see a very big growth. Um, so, so, so definitely also a focus area for us. I mean, we have a lot of suitable products there as well, like we have Wi-Fi and we have RF products. And, of course, our very big uh, offering of, of microcontrollers to go with it. Right, 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 right. So um, why don't you tell us about some of these uh, new products that you've got that are directly addressing these demands? Yeah, so, so as you might know, actually earlier this year we launched our Cortex-M0 Plus family, the D20 family. Um, so Atmel has always been very strong on microcontrollers. Um, we have been very successful with our 8-bit products, and then we see that by launching the M0 Plus, uh, a lot of uh, our customers start to think that, that basically 8-bit is, is going away and, and everything should move to 32-bit. 
But that's definitely not the case. I mean, we still invest a lot on the 8-bits, and we see the 8-bit market to be still going very strong and actually even growing going forward. So we have actually, yeah, we have actually just released a new 8-bit family. So within our 8-bit products, we have basically three different flavors. What, one what we call the AT Tinies, one we call the Megas, and one the X Megas, targeting different performance levels within the 8-bit. And we have just done a very exciting release now for some new tiny AVR devices. Basically very small devices, but still packing a lot of features and, and being very uh, powerful devices in a small form factor. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I was about to jump in and, and, and say is that it's very interesting that there's still such a robust strength in the 8-bit space because everyone was predicting that everything would just migrate to uh, larger uh, word lengths. Yeah, and uh, again, we have seen that, that several customers are moving towards ARM because they, they think this is the way it's going. Um, but, but what we see is that for the 8-bits, I mean, there is still a lot of applications where an 8-bit is a better choice than a 32-bit controller. We also see that in general, the, uh, there, there is more and more applications uh, where previously you didn't use an MCU, you used some discrete component uh, to, to implement some kind of simple functionality. But today, it is actually very often uh, easier choice to just put a small microcontroller in there instead and let the microcontroller do the tasks that previously discrete components and, and logics uh, did. So I think that's the part where the 8-bit market actually have uh, quite some potential to grow on the, the small devices uh, with a lot of features. Mm-hmm. And not to mention that entire aspect of... Uh devices that never had logic and never needed logic before don't need as much because there's only a, a relatively simple set of functions, but then there's a lot of analog stuff going on in there. Yeah. You really do need to have that uh, I.O. capability as well. Yeah, exactly. And, and when we talk about analog, I mean, a lot of simple analog stuff were previously done, discrete components. And uh, now with the analog performance you get from a uh, general purpose microcontroller, you are in many cases actually able to just remove all these discrete components and then just pop uh, a microcontroller in there instead and let the microcontroller do the, the analog tasks. See, so that's actually uh, good in that not only are you adding <clears throat> the intelligence, <clears throat> but it's also giving you, pardon me, but it's also giving you the ability to reduce your bomb simplify your board and you're going to so basically you're getting a twofold ROI out of it you're getting the ROI from the increased business potential of a better functioning sell to your sell to your clients but you're also gaining on the uh, manufacturing side because you've got a lower parts count a smaller circuit board you could probably play with your ergonomics or your package sizes I mean it really does open a lot of opportunity to you not just adding logic Yes, absolutely. That, that's a very good point. And, and that actually brings us, us to these new products that we have launched. So the, the new tiny devices, they're called the Tiny 441 and 841. It's a 4 and 8K of flash uh, microcontroller in a 14-pin package. 
Uh, it's available in very small packages, so, so basically a 3 by 3 millimeter QFN package. So basically this is something you could drop in anywhere, and it would be the size almost like one discrete uh, transistor. And in these devices, uh, we have uh, packed a lot of features, uh, including uh, analog features that would help you to, to reduce your overall bomb cost. So for instance, a lot of analog applications require some comparators to, to do some comparison of, of, of analog levels. And the good thing with these new devices is that not only do we have comparators, as we have had in all our 8-bit and 32-bit products for, for a long time, but these can also actually route the internal input of the comparator directly to one of the I.O. pins. So if you have a design today where you have a comparator, a discrete analog comparator in your design, you could actually just pop in this microcontroller to do all the other stuff you need and use the internal analog comparators as you were using your external ones previously. And they don't have to interact with the CPU at all. They can basically be seen as two independent analog comparators that you have in addition to your, to your microcontroller. Right, right, right. Again, giving additional benefits to the engineer. Yes, absolutely. Uh, another application uh, area we see um, is that a lot of products, I mean, when, the, when you launch a product into the market, uh, typically you will have some field returns. So, so basically you make, I don't know, you make uh, a small radio or whatever. Uh, there will be, there will always be some products that, that comes back for failure analysis. Um, and typically what designers have done is that they add a serial number. It could be a printed label on the PCB, so you open up your device, then you scan this label, and you can kind of track where did I sell this. Was it through Walmart or was it through Best Buy and all these kind of things? Uh, or you add a, a separate dedicated IC that just contains a serial number that can be read out electronically. So what we have done with these new devices is that we have in each and every product, every device, have a unique serial number that can be read from the application and that uniquely tracks and identifies that specific part. So this means that if, uh, uh, if you're using these new tiny devices in one of your designs, you no longer need to go through the hassle of opening up the, the product capsulation and kind of looking at the printed label on the PCB uh, or add this, ex, uh, this uh, extra component, component for the serial number, you can basically just use one of the built-in communication interfaces like the UART, for instance, and then read out the unique serial number of this device. So it actually gives the designers a very good way of managing their product uh, lifecycle of their end product and also the failure analysis and these kind of things. Well, and uh, <clears throat> could it also, Bjorn, be used to address the device in a network? Absolutely, yeah. So, so then this, that, is so then this device would also be an enabler for first-level devices within the Internet of Things. Yeah, absolutely. So, so this could be providing the, the unique uh, network address for, for the IoT uh, type of applications. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, are there any provisions for security? At this level, I don't think that the, the uh, systems involved would necessarily require security, but I think moving forward, security is going to be a bigger and bigger issue, even for low-level devices, uh, just for fear of tampering. 
Yeah, so, so these devices are, I mean, they are small devices. Uh, they have 4K of flash. To, to run like a, a wireless stack, you need typically like 64K of flash or 128. So, so in an IoT system, you would have a bigger controller that was handling the communication and those kind of things. But very often, those products do not have uh, the, um, uh, the capabilities of internal serial numbers. In addition, these products usually consume a lot more power. So, so when you have a portable system that should be connected to, to uh, uh, a network, to the cloud or whatever, traditionally or usually you would like to have a simple board controller that would be handling, maybe reading a sensor to wake up the device, to wake up the system, uh, reading a button or taking some customer input or user inputs. And, and these devices, the, the new tiny AVRs, uh, are very suitable for that kind of, of application. And then by having several different uh, communication interfaces, like we have two UARTs, we have an I2C, and we have an SPI interface, even though this is just a 14-pin product. Uh, basically, you can then, from the main application uh, or the main processor, you could then read out this unique serial number from the tiny AVR and use that for the communication. So, so basically, this, this is a very good product to be like a board or yeah, a IO uh, user input controller, uh, keeping the power consumption very low, because, by the way, this is made in Atmel's proprietary Pico power process, so they have extremely low sleep mode power consumption, uh, also very low active mode power consumption, and then basically ensuring that you don't deplete your battery more than necessary and all, only wake up the main uh, communication processor and the, the wireless interface when it is needed, when the device is actually being used by the end customer or the, the user. Mm -hmm. and, and considering our, our, our uh, organization is called Power Systems Design, that's actually an aspect I think my audience uh, is also very interested in. Power savings is something we're always concerned with. Yeah, absolutely, and that's actually something we see that even applications where traditionally power didn't matter, I mean, it could be like a refrigerator or a freezer or whatever, you always strive to get as low power as possible. Uh, there's a very big awareness now on sleep mode power, on, for instance, like TVs as well. I mean, it's plugged into the wall. But when it's turned off and just waiting for some kind of input to wake up, to, to be turned on, you still consume a small amount of power. And there is really a drive to also get this down to the absolute minimum levels. Mm -hmm. And especially when you start talking about uh, networked devices, Bjorn, if, even traditional devices, if I start setting up 100 machines that used to be dumb machines to a central control system, just the ability to... to time the devices to demand can save six, seven figures of uh, savings depending upon the size of the application involved. Yes, absolutely, you are, you are very right. And, and actually that brings us to, to one of the other features we have added on this product. Uh, basically the capability to wake up on communication from the very lowest sleep mode. So, so it, I guess easiest to kind of explain the benefit is to, to use an example. So if you have maybe a big system where you need it to be in very uh, low uh, power consumption mode when it's not used, 
but you really need to have a lot of distributed uh, microcontrollers, a, a lot of distributed controllers doing different tasks in the system. So typically you would hook up all of these to the I2C interface. And this means as soon as one of the devices starts communicating, all the other devices will wake up, start to listen and check, okay, is this addressed to me? If not, I can go back to sleep. And they would do this for every single frame sent on the I2C. However, on these products, we have a feature where you only wake up from this uh, very lowest sleep mode. By the way, we are only consuming 100 nanoamps in this sleep mode. Mm -hmm. um, so you only wake up if you get your specific address on the I2C bus. So this means that even in a system with maybe even hundreds of microcontrollers, I don't know, for a big system, uh, right. everyone would be sleeping at 100 nanoamp, and only the specific device that were addressed will be woken up and, and consume more power than the 100 microamps. Uh, sorry, 100 nanoamps. And not Very only do nice. we have this on the I2C, uh, that's something we have had in, in a lot of our products, uh, but on this new Tiny 441 and Tiny 841, we have even added this capability to the UART. So even on the asynchronous UART communication, you can now be in 100 nanoamp sleep mode, but wake up when you get communication on the UART, and you can do this very fast, because even in the 100 nanoamp sleep mode, you have full RAM retention. So you wake up, start off immediately where you went to sleep, and you are able to get even the first uh, frame on, on, the U on the UART. So this is really a unique feature for these new Tiny 441 and 841 devices. Wow, that's and and, and that, that that's really nice because as you were pointing out, all of these different uh, features and functionalities are providing additional opportunities in ways that you know only the application engineer is going to even uh, really see. Because I can see a as you pointed as a general purpose device, it's going to really leverage a lot of different applications uh, into a higher level of functionality. A really nice uh, set of devices there. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, we think they are a very good addition to our already big portfolio of 8-bit devices. And I also think I mentioned the, the high integration. So, so not only is it a general purpose product that could suit a lot of applications, but due to the high number of, of features, um, it is also a very good product to kind of build your, uh, your development or design platform. So, for instance, we have analog inputs on all the IOs. So this is a 14-pin package. You have one uh, ground and one VCC, and then you have 12 IO pins. And all of these could be used as analog input. All of them could be used um, uh, for waking up the device on a pin change, so waking up from sleep when one of the pin changes level. Um, and in addition, we have added pin multiplexing. So you in one product need to have the UART, for instance, on some dedicated pins, can, from the application code, multiplex this functionality to different pins, which means that for another product where maybe due to PCB routing constraints, it doesn't really fit to have the UART on those specific pins, you can just multiplex them over to other IO pins. So it's a really good product to be used as a design platform and can be used regardless of how the PCBs are rooted, what kind of features you need for your different end applications, and so forth. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what, Bjorn, I, I could tell you can talk about this 
all day because it is a really fascinating product. But unfortunately, we don't have any more time in the show. But I'd like to give you a moment to leave our audience with any last thoughts you have. Yeah, no, um, thanks for that, Alex. And this is really my passion, so I really love to, to talk about it. Um, I just think I want to say that, that uh, people should watch Atmel and watch our uh, product offerings going forward. So, again, a lot, of, uh, a lot of manufacturers today are focusing only on the M0 Plus products. Uh, we still believe 8-bit is a, a really big and strong market, and we see great potential for further growth. So we actually have several more 8-bit products in our development pipeline that we will continue to roll out over the next uh, few years. So, so keep an eye out for, for Atmo, not only for our 32-bit products, but we have a lot of exciting stuff coming on the 8-bit as well. Great. Is there a is they is there a deep dive uh, web page for uh, those products, or is it just they can just go to the homepage at Atmel? Yeah. So if, if you go to Atmel and you search for the AT Tiny four four one or the AT Tiny eight four one, you will be taken to our device pages that contains a lot of more details. Of course, the data sheet, and you can also download our uh, free of charge development platform that has support for these devices, including uh, a free and integrated the GCC compiler. So, so the Atmel webpage is, is a good place to start. Excellent, <clears throat> excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, uh, thank you, Bjorn, for taking the time to uh, be with us. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh, help our audience understand uh, what's going on in the Atmel microcontroller space. Thank you, Alex. It was my pleasure. Pleasure's ours. And I'd like to thank all of you out there in the audience for taking the time to be with us. Uh, we wouldn't be here without you. Tell your friends. This is Alex Paul for Paul Tom Power. Have a great day. <laughs>